Good evening. Today is November the 13th, 1965, and you are listening to KC4AAX broadcasting from Penhurst Station, Antarctica. There are important issues at hand, so I will be frank. As you are all aware, Dr. Michael Kennedy has certainly died. Last night at approximately 8.15 p.m., our friend and resident physician unlocked the door to the storming tundra outside and ran into the frigid distance. He was wearing no protective clothing from the cold, and seeing as how regulations state that with full thermal wear, the maximum allowable time outside during this weather is 20 minutes. I believe it is not only probable, but a necessity for us to assume the worst. I remind you all that we are together in our grief, and none of us have to endure this alone. Dr. Plainview has asked me to remind everyone that if the anguish becomes too much, or if you are experiencing thoughts of self-harm, to contact him immediately. As to our radio program, my thoughts were to put our mystery investigations on hold in order to piece together what happened with Dr. Kennedy. I have performed two impromptu interviews in order to build a timeline of events leading to last night's tragedy. I believe that even though Michael's decisions may not be able to be understood, we may find a small bit of peace in the search and possibly acceptance in the truth. I took notes during the interviews and shall here read excerpts from both. Our first interview comes from Dr. Harold Bright. Begin quote. I was in his office shortly after having luncheon, I'd say perhaps 12.15. Dr. Kennedy had advised that I eat at least one citrus fruit each meal to alleviate my fatigue and the cramping in my hands. I was instructed to return after a few days to inform him of any progress. I told him I was beginning to feel much better and returned the prescribed painkillers I had not used, as you said. We talked of our plans after winter and made an agreement to find time to have a fishing trip together. I left as he was currently doing an inventory of his medications and did not want to delay him. If I had stayed, would he have told me his pains? Perhaps not. Perhaps I stayed too long. End quote. Dr. Frederick Glass had this to say about his chance meeting with Dr. Kennedy. Begin quote. I nearly walked into Michael as I was leaving the restroom and he was entering. We shared a chuckle, and he joked that I might come into his office to get my eyes checked. I never saw him again. By the time I heard the screaming last night, I ran and only saw the outside door open. End quote. The most chilling part of Dr. Glass's testimony is that he claims this occurred after his nightly check of the rock formation samples, which concludes around 8 p.m., this is less than a quarter of an hour after my encounter with Dr. Kennedy. He burst into the recording studio and babbled about memories and medications going missing, I think. It's hard to remember. Everything happened very quickly. He rushed out again just as quickly, and I followed. His yelling had drawn several people from their quarters. Some said they thought this was some joke Kennedy and I had put on for the show. Dr. Kennedy was shoving the locking mechanism on the door into the open position. We all ran to Michael, but he had too much of a lead on us. As soon as the door turned the smallest bit, we were assaulted with a cold unlike, at least to me, anything we had ever experienced. 
It is a cold that skips by uncomfortable, numbing, and painful, and goes straight into an ache inside your bones. There was next to no visibility outside. I could see only a foot or so into the swirling white of the Antarctic. Dr. Kennedy stepped through that portal, left our world, and faded into the snow. I remember taking one step out into the maelstrom. I remember reaching outward toward Michael. I remember the snow around my legs and at my feet, and it felt strangely warm. Then I remember lying on the floor and they were shutting the door. I know I experienced a moment of madness as I begged all of you that were present to bring me my thermal gear so I could go out after him. And I know that all of you had the right of it when you told me that we would never find him in the storm. That any search party will likely become lost and not make it back to Penhurst. And that he would be dead before we could equip ourselves, however improperly, for the storm. I thank you all for bringing me back from the edge of sanity. I may not be here were it not for your insistence. Thank you. That is all I had planned for tonight's show, so I think I shall read another entry from the Journal of the Endurance. Though our hearts are broken, we will have to continue to forge ahead. Our families and friends at home are all counting on us to continue the good work we do here, and we should not let Dr. Kennedy's death be in vain. It is a cost, but it is not the end for us. Where did we stop? 11th of November. Cannot recall anything about our wives. Yes, here we are. Begin quote. Our wives, our children, our parents, friends, jobs, schools. Nothing remains of anything prior to our encampment here in Antarctica. Last night, Robert Clark began screaming. He said he didn't know how he got here. He said the endurance was stranded in ice. Then he woke up here in a tent. He said that it was too hot and that he would die of a heat stroke soon. He began to strip naked, then he lay down in the snow. I made no move to get up. I thought surely someone else would act. When we woke up for breakfast this morning, there was no body. No one made mention of Clark. I am having trouble remembering him myself. Is the cold adding false memories to my mind? Could it have been any of... The lights have just gone out. I'm not sure if any of you can hear me, as I am not sure if the power is out all over the station or simply the lights. But I am able to see the lights of the broadcast equipment here, so surely there is power somewhere. If the generator is stopped working, we need to fix it as soon as possible. Without the heat it provides, we, will, we need to organize. I will continue to broadcast, but everyone needs to try to make their way in the darkness to the broadcasting station. If we can all congregate, then we can communicate and make plans to get through this. I used to regularly have winter blackouts at home when I was a child, sometimes caused by the weather. The key element, my mother taught me, is not to panic. If we remain calm, we can assess the situation and come to any... Is someone hurt? Bring them here. There is a bit of light here. Can you see me?
Hello? This is Ron. This way. Follow my voice. Follow my voice. This way. There's someone outside the broadcasting studio. They seem to have injured themselves in the darkness. I don't think they can make it here, but everyone should meet here in the broadcasting studio. I repeat, everyone make their way to the broadcasting studio. We will make our plans there. I will be in the broadcasting studio. I am going to find who is hurt, but I will be here in the broadcasting studio. I'm coming to help. Say something so I can find you. Oh my god! What happened?